software out there for that. Yeah, it's uh, and I've tried different things. Uh, Hangouts is kind of cool, but they're always changing that too. So, yeah, I do the best I can. <laughs> yeah. So All you right. survived the big flood yesterday. It was. Uh, it's funny. I I sort of live near. Um, actually, I, I live in an area that in back in '93 was flooded like flooded to the point nobody could get to it like most of my city um they've they've done a bunch of work put in dams and barriers and all kinds of stuff but if we get a good rain fast we will definitely uh have certain roads flood out and stuff but we're at the top of a hill we just have to wait it out okay so uh (laughs) worst case is the like you had yesterday the schools will cancel and uh, my son will be hanging out at home all day oh that works out well for him he loved it, yeah. <laughs> and I loved it, too. It's fun to hang out. It's just, it's hard to plan stuff. Yeah, I got you. All right, so any questions for me before we roll into it? No. Um, is there any kind of, uh, uh, what kind of length do you usually shoot for? It looks like some of your other stuff, it looks like about 45 minutes is what a lot of them came in. I just want to make sure I don't talk too long or bore everybody to death. No, that's that's about right, um, especially for today. Like, anything up to an hour is totally cool. I, I try to wrap things up if we go... Uh, near an hour but i'll probably do just a short sort of intro because this i'm planning for this to be the first show of season three so oh great, great. so i'll be uh chit-chatting a little bit at the beginning but otherwise it's it's all you and no problem at all okay well let's do, do some sort of secret signal if i'm rambling on for too long <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you if you catch me hang up <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh okay well thank you so much for doing this um i wanted to start with a very simple question why do you have such a cool name you know, uh, I, I think it has to go back to ancient times, and I think like Switzerland or Scotland or someplace over in Europe, you know, <laughs> yeah. when someone came up with that name. But yeah, I'm afraid I don't have a good answer. I should probably look into that. That's uh, Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it does actually have a, an interesting real-world story, but it's just it's sort of comic book hero-y and cool. I, I like your name. I appreciate it, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> starting off on a good note. Yeah. So uh, tell tell anybody who hasn't uh, sort of been following along with uh, Exception and, and your uh, software studio, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've had a couple of questions about, you know, the, the term studio gets thrown around a lot. And it's kind of funny to me because I'm sitting here in the spare bedroom of my house, which I think constitutes the world headquarters of, of this studio. <laughs> um, so, you know, my, my I guess the backstory is uh, when I graduated from college, I went to work in banking and spent about 11 or so years in banking doing like a risk management type role and just kind of got worn out with it and kind of tired of pushing numbers around and decided I want to do something creative and uh, so I uh, learned how to do some coding in my spare time and then eventually decided, you know, I'm ready to kind of make the jump. And so I think around 2012 or so, I exited that job and said, I'm going to try and do software development slash game development. And uh, that's kind of what led into this. Um, I, I started working on an exception probably around October of 2013, I think, and through a mixture of full time and part time, I've uh, been working on kind of chipping away at that project. And for anyone that's not aware Exception is a, uh, a 2D style platformer set in like a three-dimensional world with levels that transform as you move through them. Yeah. Uh, if, if you haven't at least seen some playthrough clips or, or something online, check it out. It's, it's phenomenally polished. It, it looks cool. It sounds cool. But like the actual design mechanics behind it are, are super awesome. And for a, what I'm, I'm getting is this is a first commercial project for you. Yeah, it is. I spent uh, probably about six months prior to starting this project just kind of getting a feel for game development. I mean, I've been a, a, a video game player since I was probably like two years old, so I kind of <laughs> understand the, the playing side of things, but uh, putting it into, into, into actual, you know, into the actual product, uh, you know, I, I started, like I mentioned, I started on that a couple of years ago, and it took a long, long time. I made a lot of mistakes doing all this, but yes, this is the first commercial project that I've done. It's uh and and I mean you'll have to tell me but it seems like for for a first trip out you've you've done phenomenal work here. I mean how how's it being received right now? Um you know it's it's a, it's a little bit topsy turvy to be honest. Um unfortunately I I probably bit off a little bit more than I could chew on this and decided to launch on pretty much every platform simultaneously. And uh, that that was a little bit more aggressive than I probably should have gone in. And uh, as a result of that, there were one or two little bugs in the game that affected the Switch version. 
And I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever, you know, looked into, I guess, console development, but apparently it takes a long time to go from uh, solving the problem on my computer here in South Carolina to actually getting that, you know, pushed out uh, to all the all the uh, owners of the game. So it's, it's you know, the, the reception, I think, has been a little bit dampened by a couple of unfortunate bugs, but I'm, you know, working hard to get those resolved. So, yeah, and it, it sounds like you haven't uh, given up on that by any means. So anybody impacted by that hopefully just needs to sit tight <laughs> yeah anyone anyone with a switch version that has a has a uh, an error on it you know, that there is help on the way um so i mean and and let's get into that because a this wider release on multiple platforms is like you said pretty ambitious uh, so I, I assume you're using one of the big major engines Yes, uh, this this is a Unity title, uh, okay. which de- definitely would not have been able to, to to go down this road without you know some sort of significant uh, uh, you know build out there and through uh, through a platform like Unity. It just would have been impossible if I had to do it all by hand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I talked to uh, actual proper publishers on on a somewhat regular basis who have a lot of trouble doing the same thing you're trying to do here, which is um, I, I just asked someone, I said, you know, I was, I was surprised that your your projects all seem to go out on all platforms. And, and the, the last guy I asked said, well, the reason for that is I came from an even bigger uh, publisher and I was single, single-handedly in charge of making sure all the different platform releases are exactly what they need to be. And so people who have devoted their entire careers to this basically are, are struggling with it just the same. So I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I, my goal was to, um, you know, because there's a, a small, you know, venture for me uh, to try and kind of maximize the, uh, the marketing and PR stuff to kind of have one big hit and have it all happen at the same time and try and, you know, build up as much interest on the front end as possible but uh, yeah, you're exactly right. If I had it, you know, if I were looking back now, I think it would have been a little bit easier for me if I just released a Steam build mm-hmm. uh, and then spent maybe a month or two cleaning up things here and there and, you know, just tidying it up a little bit before going in the console direction. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's done. So <laughs> we're trying to make the best of it we can. Yeah. Something that struck me about this and really the way I found this game in the first place was uh, – it seems like just as as ambitious as the the platform release you're you're crushing the marketing for this too. I mean it's it's it was on Metacritic before the release. I mean uh people were there was buzz about it and there were screenshots and things. You had a, a great looking uh, media kit up for it before release. So I mean where where are you picking all this up? Are you just sort of going through and uh you know googling your way through or what's going on? <laughs> Well, I, I was actually, uh, I, I do have a, a great support uh, from uh, Plan of Attack is helping me with the PR piece of this. And um, they're managing all the keys and all the, the, the press interaction and stuff like that. I'll be honest with you, you know, I, in the past, I think maybe month and a half, uh, more than any other program open, I've had Adobe, you know, Premiere open having to cut trailers and yeah. uh you know, using, you know, recording game footage and everything like that. And I've, I've spent more time in, in that program in the past month and a half than I probably have in my entire lifetime. Uh, but it, it is fun, you know, doing the uh, the trailers and that sort of thing. You can put music to it and it's kind of, you know, adds another creative element to the game production stuff. But I'm also glad it's, uh, most of that stuff is finished. Yeah, I mean, what, what does... Uh... What does a normal day for you look like right now at this at this stage? I know you're sort of slammed up against a couple of bugs, but where are you sort of spending your time? Well, uh, right now, uh, for about the past almost two years, I've been working three days in banking and four days in the game development. So I have uh, basically Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday for the game stuff, and then you know the nine to five job, the rest of it. But at present, you know, I'm, most of what I'm doing is just cleaning up, you know, things here and there. Uh, the nice, or the nice thing about the bugs that have popped up is that they're easy to fix. It's just the the process of having to get it to go through QA is what's taking so much time. But um, you know, I get people that are you know tweeting at me when there's you know stuff in the game that lets some shortcut levels more than I would like to, and so I pick up some time and go and clean up the levels and stuff like that. And it takes. No time at all, as you probably know, to get a Steam, you know, patch out there. So I can get those knocked out pretty quickly. But I'm kind of waiting to see if I can build up a couple of fixes in before I can go the uh, the, the console route. So I have upcoming fixes for uh, Xbox and PlayStation, and uh, probably Nintendo sometime after that, just because their their pipeline takes a little bit longer to work through. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that, I mean, that's super impressive, though. Um, 
So you, you say you you've been a, a long a lifelong gamer. Uh, what what sort of games inspired you as a kid? I mean, did did you always picture this kind of game being your first project? I mean, what was the story there? Not really. You know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, to, to kind of show my age a little bit, my parents got an Atari twenty six hundred. Yeah. When I was, you know, maybe like two years old or something <laughs> like that. And so, you know, you know, Space Invaders was like the big thing. And I remember uh, going up to the bowling alley as a little kid and they had, you know, Donkey Kong and all these great arcade machines back in the day. So a lot of what uh, is in exception, if you notice, there's a lot of glowing, flashing stuff in there. You know, I think a lot of that kind of traces back to me as a little kid looking at those CRT monitors with the, the flashy pixel graphics and that type of thing. I'm just kind of trying to recreate some of that arcade experience today. Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely an eye candy kind of game. And uh, it, it's interesting background to hear that that's maybe a little bit of a recreation of some childhood wonder. I, I, that totally reads to me. I, I for sure get that. Yeah, yeah. I just remember, you know, just propping up on the the, uh, the stools, you know, at the at the bowling alley and watching someone play Donkey Kong. You know, yeah. I think I, I think I was such a little kid. I was probably sitting so close to it that the the pixels on the monitor probably looked like they had bloom at- attached to them somehow because of the the glow and everything. And that's that's kind of bled into my game. We uh, we just took my son to uh, a Dave and Buster's for the first time the other night, and <laughs> it is kind of cool to sit back and watch that sort of. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, for, first of all, I'm glad I, I came around, came up in the 80s, and I'm glad we still have arcades at all. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. not easy to get into these days, but it's really nice to sort of see a kid uh, discover that, that sort of feeling for the first time and just that, that fascination. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, when, I, when, when, we were, when I was I have a, one younger brother, when we were kids growing up, you know, our parents would go to the uh, the local pizza place and, you know, sit down with their friends and talk. And the way they got rid of us so they could actually, you know, eat in peace was to give us a handful of quarters to run <laughs> over to the machines. And uh, I actually went to that uh, pizza place a couple of weeks ago. They still have a couple of games there, but one of them they have like those claw machines where you get little plush toys out and everything and <laughs> some other stuff. So I was a little bit disappointed they hadn't retained all the original arcade machines, but I'm glad a couple of them are still there. Yeah, yeah, I I uh, have a Mexican place nearby that had arcade games like all my life as a kid, and they they still have them too. And I love seeing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have actually have another pizza place around the corner from me, which has like Street Fighter Two tournaments, and oh. I didn't find out. I, I felt like I, I probably shouldn't show up as like a forty-one year old man to a, a kids <laughs> tournament, but I may I may bust it sometime. <laughs> you should uh, you should go and sit in the back. And and there there should be a dramatic scene where where you know toward the end of the day you just say, make way kids you know <laughs> yeah crack my knuckles real loudly as I walk up to the machine <laughs> let's let's see if I remember how to do this yeah <laughs> that's a so, good idea <laughs> so uh, now now this is a game like you said there there are people working on their speed running already and and they're looking for for every nook and cranny to exploit in this game I mean how did you land on tackling a difficult game because that's that's sort of controversial these days not everybody wants that yeah um you know I, i'm i'll be honest with you I, I don't like hard games um i don't have as much time to devote to games today as i did as when i was a lot younger so when i sit down to play something the, the two things that will kind of drive me crazy the first is an extended tutorial which makes me feel like i'm at work again trying to learn things and stuff <laughs> like that and the, the second is something that is immediately difficult and so when I was making this game, I tried to avoid both of those. Uh, tried to make the game as simple and straightforward as possible so you don't have to feel like you need to read page after page of tutorial text. Yeah. And then secondly, I wanted to make something that was accessible. So um, there are some difficult elements to the game. Um, it's not going to be like your, you know, your, your classic Super Meat Boy style difficulty level. Um, but I did throw in there just as a little, uh, this is a little helper. I have a, a, a menu item, which will let you, uh, increase the player's hit points. So if you have a, a child or you get, you know, tired of a certain level, you can kind of beef up your hit points a little bit and, and finally get past it. It's sort of like having a, uh, a trainer built into the game. I like that. I think that'll probably be popular. Uh, cause I'm, I'm with you. I, <clears throat> I feel like I would love to be, you know, eight years old again and most of my summer is uh, no responsibilities and a controller in my hand for 10 hours a day uh, <laughs> but uh 
yeah, I find that I'm not nearly as good at, at games these days. And it's I think it's just a product of time. I'm sure my reflexes aren't exactly what they used <laughs> to be. But I, I I think a lot of it's practice and time and just interest. And I get other things on my mind, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I, I've pretty much sworn off all online games because I don't have the reflexes to be competitive in those. And it's nothing but frustration for me, even at the like most baseline levels. So I've, I've kind of written all of those off, but I do just want to pick up a game sometimes and be able to sit back and relax and not have to worry about you know stuff getting too complicated. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I want to know a little more about what you enjoy these days too because I, I struggle with this as well. Like I really like Rocket League. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Call of Duty player, but it's not too much these days. But I'll, I'll play Rocket League. And something new to me is I'll, I'll play the game. And if I beat somebody, yeah, they might get mad. If I lose to somebody too badly, they're mad at me anyway. And I, <laughs> I, I recorded a show for later in the week that this show will go out. And it's, it's a lot of me and a personal friend sharing stories about we play with online people and they're mad no matter what. It's just a funny thing. Yeah, you know, I've I've experienced the same thing as well. Um, A couple years ago, my brother and I, when he was living in New York, we would play Left 4 Dead. Mm. And we would get on teams and we would intentionally do these ridiculous things just to try and enrage those players and then record them sometimes and then play them back and just laugh like crazy. (laughs) Because, you know, it's, you know, I guess I'm trying to think when I was a kid, would I have been kind of like this rageaholic that you run into online and, and yell at people. I don't think I would have. I probably would have just, you know, left the game or something like that. But it always is interesting when you kind of stumble across these people because you wonder, you know, if, if you're this mad about Rocket League or somebody missing a goal or whatever, I mean, what, you know, what are you going to do when you really encounter something in life that matters? <laughs> What's going to happen I do then? worry about that, yeah. I We came up in the couch co-op days. Uh, if, <laughs> if I played the Nintendo 64 with a friend and I was beating him too badly, he he might just punch me in the in the arm or something. <laughs> but I guess that's no no better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess there's I guess there's a competitive element to that that kind of draws that out of people. But you know, that's yet another reason why I kind of steer clear of some of the online stuff. <laughs> what do you uh, play these days when you get a moment? You know, um, I was looking the other day uh, just at my Steam account, and the last time that I had played. A game, I think it was in April, because I had been so focused on mm. kind of getting this thing across the finish line. But uh, what I was playing then was the division. Um, I kind of like playing these kind of grindy games where you can kind of just sit back and build up your character, acquire new equipment, that type of thing. Because I'm, I'm more of a patient player in the sense that I don't mind, you know, repeatedly killing enemies to gain XP or money or whatever, and then build up my character to the point where I'm less likely to lose. So. Games like that, like a Dark Souls type game, those are the ones that kind of scratch that itch for me. I, I got you. So you're you're primarily a PC guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, the, only, the only consoles I have are the ones I use for development kits. I think the the last console I owned, I think, was a PlayStation Two, long, long, long time ago. But I think PC mostly kind of it, it kind of eclipsed some of what's available on console from a technology standpoint. And really has kind of maintained a lead for a long period of time. It really wasn't like that, I think, in the early 2000s. I think the PlayStation 2, when it came out, was better than what I had on PC with my 3D graphics card. But then at some point, I just it seemed to me that what was happening technology-wise in consoles was a little bit lagging on PC from time to time. But, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen in the next generation. It's a good point. I can think of a couple of times coming up when my console was probably a little better experienced than my uh home computer uh i think even the ps1 for me at one point just because we had a computer that wasn't i mean top of the line exactly i could either play lemmings on the pc or i could go play you know driver on the ps1 (laughs) or something like that no contest there yeah it's like you you go ahead and use the computer i'll be in my room i don't need that yeah yeah Uh, i mean i I, I was the same way and i think you know price-wise too at that point in time you know, a, a decent PC was probably like $1,500 or something. And oh, yeah. You, you had like a PlayStation 1, which I think maybe was like $300 in 1996 or something. And you didn't have to worry so much about, you know, that was back in the days when I think Windows 95 had come out. And so, you you know, you, you did, had a lot of titles that ran on DOS and some of them wouldn't run under certain some conditions. And it was just a headache back then. Yeah. And I, I've been writing about this, actually, the topic of um, – how fantastic it is that we can so easily pick almost any of these platforms to develop a game for. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, it's it's very natural and uh, usually a great strategy to go ahead and develop for for PC, gain interest, you know, get get people 
sharing buzz about it. But if you want to go straight for the switch, I mean, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, I think I was looking the other day, there's something like 3000 something switch titles, I think. So there's some huge number. And, um, you know, it is, it is amazing to me that, you know, I grew up in, you know, in the, in the era of hard, you know, console cartridges and discs and everything. And just the capability of being able to sit, you know, at home and produce something that you can distribute through Nintendo and, and uh, Microsoft and Sony is just amazing. Um, it, this is a topic I don't poke and prod at too much because I know Nintendo has an NDA and I, I'm under one. I think everyone else is too. But um, is is that the toughest platform to target right now in terms of process? You know, um, I, I didn't find that to be the case. Um, my title... I know going for, you know, looking at Microsoft and Sony, um, they have features like, you know, achievements and trophies and uh, some friend stuff. And I know that I think there's less of that available on the Switch side. So in certain circumstances, I think you might have a little bit lower workload on the Switch. Um, I think uh, that the optimization stuff may, in some certain circumstances, be more uh, intensive for the Switch just because, you know, you've got the portable mode and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, my experience was mostly positive. Nice. It, it's interesting to hear about that from the perspective of uh, a new uh, developer like yourself. I mean, that's... Um... That's interesting because I think people who are very experienced in it don't uh, really feel as much of the difference anymore. But it's a good point. If you're uh, incorporating achievements and different online stuff, yeah, that's probably is not the worst one. No, no. And and that stuff is can be a little bit deceptive as far as how much time you have to invest to get it up and running. Um, It it seems like it'd be pretty easy just to flip a switch and say achievement unlocked. But there's a little bit more that goes on behind the scenes and there's a lot of uh, configuration work that goes on uh, with the platforms. And so it's, uh, you know, it is nice to be able to kind of avoid that in some platforms. Yeah. You uh, you didn't field an an epic exclusive offer, did you? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, trust me. I'm, that'll be the last, uh, the last uh, developer they would ever care to have on, on their platform. But you know, it is interesting all the stuff that's kind of swirling around that. And um, I don't know. I'm. I, I, I remember back in the olden days where you had to drive to Toys R Us to go buy a video game. And um, now having so many different platforms out there and, and choices to me, I mean, I, I'm almost happy just having as many as possible, just because. In the back of my mind, I worry that, you know, at some point in time, you know, even though, you know, companies like Valve have been very consumer friendly, that may not always be the case. You know, they may sell out, you know, someone, you know, there may be a transition of management, any any of a gazillion things could happen. And it's such a large company that the the number of potential suitors for acquiring Valve uh, would be very small and would be names that a lot of people probably wouldn't be that comfortable with. So although I don't, you know, fully endorse everything that's going on with the Epic Store, I, I think it is important to have some sort of alternative out there that's a serious competitor to Valve. Yeah, and and I I asked that question with a smile on my face, but uh, it, it's been a funny time because it's it's almost turned into a sort of witch hunt. Like who's who's jumping in with Epic and who's not? Um, when this first came up, I I even said on the podcast a couple of times, I said uh, competition's going to be good, but I think you may be trading one sort of walled garden for another. And as things emerged, I mean, it turned out to be exactly that. Like you, now you've got two people who want to take over everything. And I, I do, I do, I do hope this causes both uh, steam and Epic and anybody else who comes along to sort of um, maybe smooth some rough ev- edges on one another and sort of calm things down eventually. And eventually the competition is going to be good. I just don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And you know, I, I think, you know, it's always easy to, to, to look from the outside and say, I would have done this and that, but I wish they, had spent a little bit more time polishing up the store and having some of those additional features available when they rolled it out. And, you know, I'm also someone, I mean, I, you, you can probably tell I'm kind of lazy when it comes to games and, you know, I, I will, I, I hate launchers just like everybody else does. Uh, I hate having to, whenever I boot something up through steam, that has to go through the, the Ubisoft thing and all that. It, it drives me nuts having to plug in another set of credentials and everything. But you know, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, it's either, you know, hop in the car and drive 30 minutes to Toys R Us <laughs> or spend, you know, an extra 15 seconds looking up a password somewhere. It's to me, it's not a, a huge ordeal. And and now you can't go into Toys R Us anyway. 
So that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know anymore. what you mean though, because I I recall the the buying the new game experience at Toys R Us as a kid. I think I only did it a couple of times. Otherwise, my my gaming was almost all yard sales and clearance events. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, like when you had to go, you had to go pull the ticket down from the uh, the Toys yeah. R Us thing, and then carry it to the little walled off booth somewhere, and have them retrieve the game for you. Yeah, and they had to go through two or three processes to turn the security features off, or uh, Jeffrey would tackle you in the parking lot. You That's know. right. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I even worked at Toys R Us as a teenager, which was a fun time too. But um, oh wow, yeah, yeah. That that's how much I like Toys R Us. There you go. But. Um, Man, it's it's for one thing, you do not strike me as lazy in any way. <laughs> Just looking at this this wide release and everything you you must be doing to to make this work. Um, but I I only started on the Epic Store, um, only downloaded it for the first time the other day because I wanted to play Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. I I loved the first Rebel Galaxy. I, I like Double Damage, who develops it. Um, I invited them on for this season. Uh, I'm hoping they take me up on it later, but. Um, it's, I I agree. Like it, it doesn't seem like the the launcher itself is where it could have maybe been if they're going to be so aggressive and so ambitious about pulling in exclusives and stuff. Uh, I really don't know what to make of that. Uh, despite the opinions I shared before, like I'm only first seeing it and going, okay, this is all this is. I don't know. Yeah, and you you would expect with all the gazillions of dollars they have rolling in from Fortnite. You know, they could put some people behind it and get some muscle behind the development and get some of that stuff cleaned up. But, you know, here we are, I guess, what, almost eight months or so after it first rolled out, I think, last year. And it's uh, still got some rough edges. Yeah, that's that's such a mixed bag because, I mean, I know for sure they're doing a few things for developers that uh, would not have been possible if not for Fortnite. Um, but at the same time, it's like it, it's like they, they caught this windfall and then reached out too far again. And uh, spread themselves right back as thin as they were before. So I, I don't get it. <laughs> hey, but but free games are good though. Free games are great. Yeah, it's almost almost every platform has its own version of the the free game now, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think the uh, Apple service that's coming up is gonna even let mobile players get in on that. Of course, they got their own free games anyway. I don't know why I'm worried about them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of a little bit wary of uh, the mobile mindset moving into like the PC game thing. I just I feel like we need to like keep this thing as pure and and leave it as it is without having it you know bombarded with free games and stuff like that. Yeah, you can't play exception on any mobile platforms, can you? No, no, it's. Uh, I was pretty it, sure, but I thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah, I think you know in addition to the technology stuff with the graphics, I think the you know, they've never really have perfected the uh, the control inputs for action games no. on the mobile on the mo- in the mobile space yet. But I hope at some point they were able to because it'd be perfect for you know running jump style games. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's sort of get into uh, controls and playing and stuff. Did you do anything in the way of like playtesting periods for the game, or did you have a little bit of community involvement before release? What happened there? Yeah, I had a uh, a short. Um, stint with some beta testing, I think is in 2017 or so, um, where I had just kind of put out a call for anybody interested to check out the game. And uh, of all the the people, I probably got three or four that were actually really dedicated to digging into it. And luckily, they were exceptionally dedicated at it. Uh, one of them actually produced a report for me, I think. <laughs> Anytime you would find a bug, you'll be like, you know, steps to reproduce and screenshots and videos and everything. Nice. Um, so that process actually it wasn't very extensive, but it was, you know, effective in the sense that I was able to kind of zero in on some some problems and fix them. Uh, the first iteration of the game, in order to perform special attacks, you had to do like the old Street Fighter style, you know, fireball motions and stuff like that. And I found out pretty quickly in, in the beta test, that was just not working at all. And mm-hmm. so I had to kind of just chuck that and uh, go with something a lot simpler and also found out some there were some gaps in the um, in the control customization stuff that needed to be fixed. So I think, you know, although I would have loved to do something more extensive with that, um, it, the, the little bit that I was able to do was very helpful. And, and honestly, after, after that wrapped up, most of my development stuff was... Um, uh, dedicated to console development so it really wasn't so much content development as it was just getting everything ported over yeah and so you you sound like that was a somewhat personal call did you just sort of check with you know maybe your your facebook network or did you go to a site what did you do 
Well, uh, I kind of just put it out on, on Twitter, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple people responded there. And, you know, the, the problem was, uh, it, at first I thought this was a positive, but I think it ultimately turned out to be a negative. It got picked up by one of these uh, sites that kind of keeps track of betas and stuff like that. So there was a big influx of interest all of a sudden. But the people that were drawn to it really weren't tester types and really weren't interested in seeing the game develop. So I, I had a lot of people that kind of just kicked the tires a little bit but didn't stick around for it. And I found that even though I got a smaller response via Twitter, uh, the quality of uh, testers was far better. It, that's interesting because I would think for a game like this, you would need to, I, I guess you'd need a good variety of skill sets uh, from your players and not <laughs> not just all like very casual or all very super hardcore because um, the, the game seems to skew uh, toward the difficult side if you're not using the trainer. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think... Um... I think that's right. And, you know, I did, I was able to do this uh, to kind of demo the game at a couple of shows um, with the PAX and, and GDC and those types of events. And um, those also served as kind of opportunities to observe people playing the game and see what was difficult, what aspects of it uh, were a little too challenging. And so over, over the course of a couple of, of those shows, I was able to kind of hone down some of the difficulty and kind of get things a little bit smoother flowing. Yeah, and that has to be sort of an awkward process. I mean, determining uh, what is legitimately too difficult or needs at least some tweaking and what are the, you know, am I just not catching the right players here or, you know? I, yeah, I, I, I went through, it's funny you mentioned that because I went through a process prior to uh, releasing the beta piece of it where I had this elaborate system in place which would kind of give me the coordinates where someone died uh, what they were doing with what their control input was when they died. And I was like going to, my, my master plan was to take that information and then kind of dig in and, and, you know, smooth off those rough corners. But what I found was a lot of the players were dying in these weird spots. I was like, how would they keep dying, you know, in the same very easy spot? But what it was is they were trying to probe the levels to find opportunities to kind of cut down their speed run time. So they would oh. <laughs> constantly butt up against these deadly, you know, uh, uh, you know, obstacles. And I, I could never figure out what was going on. And I, I would plot it out on a graph and everything. And then I finally figured out, Oh, they're trying to cheat the levels, what they're trying to do right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not great for <laughs> trying to figure out yeah. what the average player is doing. I agree. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it basically just gave me a whole lot of useless information. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so is Twitter still the location of what you would consider the main community for the game, or are you more active on Steam, for example? Like, where are you sort of uh, communing with your people? You know, Twitter seems to be the spot. Um, I, I get uh, messages via Twitter pretty often and that type of thing. And uh, close to the launch date, uh, that was where the most activity was coming in. To be honest with you, I have a I have a Facebook page, but I'm not very good at navigating exactly what's going on there. Yeah. So Twitter to me seems to be the most direct interface, and I can kind of get back and forth with people pretty quickly. So when it comes to people mentioning issues with the game or you know sharing thoughts on it, Twitter's the, the place I usually go. Yeah. Are are you catching any heat in like reviews or uh, previews, anything like that? A lot of developers will complain about sort of the Cuphead syndrome where the game was too hard for the people covering it. <laughs> and so <laughs> the know, players didn't get the best picture of what the game was. You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really read any of the reviews. Um, the, the people helping with the PR have said that it's gotten dinged a little bit because of some bugs in the game, which is perfectly legitimate. Um so I, I think that probably factors into some of the mixed response on that. But, uh, you know, overall, it d- doesn't really bother me so much, the review piece of it. Um, if, if certain players don't really, it doesn't appeal to them, that's great. Um, it does, it's, not, it's not a game that everybody's going to love. So, you know, as long as there are a couple of people out there that get it, I'm happy. <laughs> you're, you're fascinating me as a person more by the minute. Um, I, I feel like you should give a seminar about this. Uh, no, no, no. You, <laughs> yeah, how, how to mess up a game. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that, but it's how to have the right mindset after launch. Because, I mean, I, this is an area that I, I think I falter. To this day, I put out a mobile game for kids two years ago. And to this day, if I find bad feedback about it, I'm upset. Not like Not like angry, but like... You know, hey, this is unfair. That's unfair. What is this? And you say you're not reading reviews. Well, yeah. I mean, I think mainly because of that reason. I, I think if I if I did read them, you know, I would kind of look at them and, and be kind of feel sick to my stomach. I I will say it, it sounds a little bit like I'm a little bit more above it than I am. I, when 
uh, a couple days before launch, we uh, I got some messages passed to me through my PR people about this bug in the in the Switch version, and it definitely felt like someone kicked me in the stomach. It was like you were playing, you know, playing kickball, you know, in elementary school, and someone hits you right in the bread basket, and it <laughs> all your, you know, all your 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 all your breath leaves out of you, and. Uh, so yeah, I've definitely have been there, and I'm, the reason I'm actively avoiding those is because I just don't want to, uh, you know, get that kick in the stomach again. Yeah, and I mean, so you're a solo developer. Uh, was it a hard decision, and was it sort of a sacrifice to to turn this over to PR folks? Because uh, I mean, that being know, the one thing you outsource is kind of uh, I don't know if it's unusual, but it's it's a strategy I'm interested in. Yeah, you know, I, I have, um, you know. I don't think it was, I think it was a great decision in, in retrospect. And at the time I was pretty certain that, uh, you know, the, the, the PR piece of it was going to be a weakness for me. <clears throat> I'm not really big on the reaching out and asking for help and, and asking for coverage, that sort of thing. And so it was kind of, I, I knew going into it, if this was going to have any chance at all, I was going to need to bring in people that knew what they were doing. And, uh, like I mentioned earlier, plan of attack is who I was working with on this. And, um, in addition to the expertise they bring to the table, it's also pulled a lot of workload off of me uh, heading into launch so that when things do pop up that need attention, I have more time to devote to those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, time well spent, resources well spent, I mean, as far as I can tell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's like, like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's things that I, I know that I can tackle. Um, you know, if something comes up with a bug, I know eventually I can fix it. But when it comes to this PR stuff and making contacts, that's just something that's out of my wheelhouse. And I, I definitely need help there. Yeah, I, I get it. It's um, because I have done it all myself. And I, I think just because of the nature of the work I've done with, I mean, I, I had done some freelance writing and I had interviewed some people as sort of a pseudo journalist at one point by the time I was doing my first release. So I feel I was able to get through that process, but I definitely spent so much time on it. If I had had big bugs in the thing, if it had been very popular and people wanted more content, like I think it would have held me back from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, you know, even just the mechanics of getting all that stuff done and um, you know, about the time this was releasing, you know, with all the different platforms and everything, there was a pretty constant stream of uh, emails coming in and people wanting review copies and, you know, information, this type of thing. And just being able to forward that on to someone else and knowing that's going to be taken care of was just a, a massive help. Yeah, for sure. So um, we still got some time left. I want to dig into some uh, technique stuff and, I mean, entertain me as, as much or as little uh, on these items as you please. But so obviously the the visuals of the game very popular um how did you work with uh any sort of pre-used assets did you come up with everything from scratch what tools did you use i mean tell me a little about that yeah pretty much every graphical asset in the game is something i licensed from a storefront you know the unity store you know game textures all that stuff is just uh you know i just don't have the skill set to produce that type of thing so for most of the um, all, all, all of the characters were uh, 3D models that I licensed. Um, I did do some rigging for a lot of those to kind of get them incorporated into the game. I have enough knowledge of Blender to be you know a little bit dangerous. Yeah. And uh, stuff like the background assets, the the science fiction type buildings, all that kind of stuff were also licensed. Again, with a little bit of work on my end, either with uh, reducing the geometry or uh, you know, getting some of the materials cleaned up, that sort of thing. I was able to, to do some of that. But yeah, pretty much everything along those lines was, was licensed in. And the game is sort of a, um, I, I guess, a collage of a whole lot of different assets. They're kind of just cobbled together. Uh, so I just don't have the artistic skills to get that stuff done. But I did have an idea in my head of what generally the game should look like. And that's kind of why I was kind of pulled into it. I, I totally get it because, I mean, some of the most popular games we see these days are exactly that. Um, you know, that Goat Simulator was born from someone buying a, a goat on discount and going, hey, look at this. Um, but you you used all these things to fantastic effect, and I felt like I needed to ask because you, you did use them so effectively that uh, I could have seen it going either way. If you had told me, hey, I'm, I'm just a natural artist and I worked on this for a long time, and I know you've worked on this game a long time. If you'd told me you'd come up with all of this, I would have said, great, it looks fantastic, you know. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... 
you know, there were definitely points in time where the, the assets didn't mesh as well, quite as well as they, they do now. Um, the, the, the general theme of some of the levels is usually pretty consistent. There's, I don't think there's a ton of assets you can look at and say, yeah, this was definitely, you know, some junk somebody bought off of a store for $1.99 and, and <laughs> stuck in the game. Uh, if there were any, I tried to cover them up pretty well. But, uh, you know, I, I'm generally pretty happy with, with how that aspect of the game finished up. And, you know, without those sort of assets, uh, you know, if I had to take the time to learn how to do the, the game development piece of this and all the stuff that kind of comes along with that and have to sit in Blender for, you know, who knows how many years trying to come up with these assets and learn how to do that. It, I would have been like, you know, 75 years old by the time this game came out. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been a retro game before it ever came out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Look at this retro inspired game that I made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Air quotes would go over that. Right. It's it's funny because I think that's sort of becoming its own really valuable skill set. Because first of all, I mean, if if you were to go to uh, Obsidian or some studio of your choosing and, and go to the art director, I mean, they're doing a little bit of that. The stuff's being made in-house, but they're still responsible for making sure everything agrees with everything else and uh, looks pleasing and nothing stands out and goes like, this thing looks like it was drawn by Picasso and this looks like it was drawn by my four-year-old and we have to figure out where to meet these in the middle. Um, you're sort of doing that with people you've never met. Uh, it, it, bringing in these resources and making sure everything sort of uh, blends in together. And like I said, when I when I see that work that well, there are people I, I would never have to ask because I know that they brought things from a million different sources and didn't do much to them before they threw them in Unity or Unreal uh, that sort of thing. So I think that is valuable, especially for indies these days, because I think that's the reality is like, you're going to need help either from another person or from their work. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, games these days are just so complicated and the bar is set so high for as far as customer expectations, you know, you have to have some specialist support, uh, either through 3d models, um, through sound effects, music, any of these different disciplines, there's just no way, I think one person can do all those things well, but you know, if there are, there's probably such a small handful of them in the world. It's just inconsequential. Yeah. Sorry. One second. I need to start recording. Okay. Perfect. Um, and I, I sort of want to have the same, uh, brief discussion about the audio because super cool music in the game, uh, super cool sounds. And tell me about where you, uh, where you found this, who, who's, uh, behind the music. What's, what's going on? Yeah, so, you know, part of when I started out making the game, um, <clears throat> I wanted to do a lot of it myself as much as I could. And I started out, I have a, a couple of uh, programs on my computer that do, you know, music, you know, sequencing, that type of thing. And I do have a little bit of it, you know, like, enjoy making music and stuff like that. But eventually at one point, I, I, well, as I was making the game, I realized, you know, there's no way I can produce anything on, on, on the level that I'm shooting for here by myself. Cause again, it'd be kind of like the blender situation where if I had to spend, you know, three or four months just learning how to use the software and then not, yeah. not having the, 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 you know, the natural abilities there to help either. So as I was working on the game, I would always just have Spotify running in the background and, um, sort of the, the, um, the synth wave style music is something that I thought would fit well with this type of game. So basically what I did was I was listening to synth wave playlists all day long while I was working on the game and occasionally I'd come across a track that I really liked and I would look at the artists and kind of see what, how large their following was. And if it was someone I thought would benefit from, you know, having the additional exposure in a game and would be interested in participating on it, you know, in, in the terms it would, I was able to offer, I'd reach out to them. And, um, I'd say probably maybe somewhere around along the lines of 60 to 70% of the people I was able to reach out to, you know, had a lot of interest in participating in the project. So, uh, ended up licensing a lot of really excellent music for the game. Um, that whole process kind of went down in 2015. And luckily, um, even though the, 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 the music is a little bit, the tracks themselves are a little bit dated. I, I think it, the music itself is so good that it kind of just, uh, maintains this, uh, high quality today as, as much as it did three or four years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm a developer, a little bit of a composer myself. Um, dated never crossed my mind. Just from the from the parts I've been exposed to, it it just seemed like this is all spot on for this. And you know, it's it's by people who are professional composers and and very skilled and talented. Like it's very high quality stuff. It, it fits really well. Yeah, and I was you know working with these the, the people that contributed to the soundtrack. 
you know, there's no really huge names on there. Um, there's a lot of these guys, um, fortunately, since I first got in touch with them, have gotten bigger and bigger and they actually have some nice size followings now. But, uh, you know, this type of thing, you know, I kind of look at the music stuff similar to the way I look at like steam and, and games and small games like I've made is there's this huge ocean of titles and content out there and people are really enthusiastic about getting their project noticed in some way, um, even if it's not like a huge payday for them, at least having some sort of uh, exposure out there. And a lot of the people I was able to work with in the soundtrack, I still stay in correspondence with. They were really excited that the game launched and helped to kind of amplify the uh, some of the social media stuff. So it, it really worked out well on a lot of fronts. Yeah, it, and I mean, community elements like that uh, definitely seem to benefit projects uh almost start to finish top to bottom uh it's it seems like a great way to do stuff and uh you know you might not uh release the same kind of like here you can also download a, an album or whatever but uh seems totally worthwhile to get like i remember most of my favorite games coming up had those kind of soundtracks where the tracks were outsourced and it featured you know uh bands i had heard of did not hear of but it was it was cool licensed music and i loved it yeah, yeah. Even today, you know, I can I can think back to a lot of games from the early t- <clears throat> excuse me the early two thousands, where you know I can still name you know some of those songs off the soundtrack. You know, there was some of them were, the games themselves in certain situations may have been forgotten, but the music, you know, I still retain that. Yeah, um, I can think of a couple of skateboarding or rollerblading games from like the PlayStation era. I think I think one or two tracks from those games made it into my wedding playlist. I kid you not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like that's that's how uh, prevalent those things stay in our minds. I think just that I thought of those songs and was like, uh, I may be crazy, so I like played a couple for my wife. I'm like, are are these are these good or is this just me being, you know, a teenager for the rest of my life? Right. And she's like, it's no, like these Super Mario one theme song or something playing at your <laughs> wedding. <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, we played Mario and that was great, but yeah, uh, yeah. no, she, she liked some of it and that wound up being in our wedding. I bet I'm not the only person who's done that. Um, no, no, I was talking to someone the other day. Apparently they have something in, in the UK called like something was it like a, it's like a Mario slash karaoke, like Marioki or something where you <laughs> you do karaoke, but you do it to like video game music. Oh, that's hilarious. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded fantastic. <laughs> I would participate in that if I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming I'd be permitted to be drunk, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a requirement actually. I would, I would need to be a little loosened up. Yeah. But that sounds <laughs> pretty great. So uh, it, take a moment and tell me if uh, anything occurs to you, but, what kind of advice would you tell somebody who was just about to do what you've done, come up with their own, uh, you know, first time out solo developer or small team? Uh, what, what lessons do you wish you'd uh, known on the way in? Um, probably some of what I touched on earlier, um, a little bit of easing into the project. Um, I kind of felt in, you know, looking back now, like I maybe jumped into the deep end of the pool, right off the bat um, probably should have phased in some of the, the, the game as far as storefronts and platforms go. But, you know, the one thing that kind of stood out to me as being that worked well in my favor, I think is, is kind of not going whole hog on the, uh, on the solo development or the game development, having an outside source of income, even if you're working a couple of days a week in something else, just to kind of keep you as uh, part of a, a larger organization or a team and having a regular source of income to me, that was a, a a real boost, which kind of allowed me to do a lot more things. So I think if I had just gone in and, you know, done the, the full-time deal where you quit your job right off the bat, I'd probably have been a little bit more uh, conservative in how I approach certain things, uh, especially from a financial standpoint. So I think if someone's looking to do their own solo title, if you have the opportunity to have some outside income or an outside job uh, on a part-time basis, I think that's really the way to go. Absolutely. That makes good sense. And I mean, were you able to mostly avoid super high stress over the project? I mean, did you keep a healthy uh, development schedule or or were there times where you were sort of drawn into it to the point that it sort of like maybe drove you nuts a little bit? You know, I, I think <clears throat> I think this, the fact that I'm a little bit older than some of the, the people that start out in the game development stuff, I, I never really felt like I was under the gun. Um, I went out of my way to make sure I was didn't feel rushed. And I think part of that, again, ties back to having the financial security to 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 make that choice. 
but yeah, I, I didn't, you know, <clears throat> I would wake up and go for runs and sleep in and everything. And I never felt like I need to stay up till four o'clock in the morning trying to correct bugs, but in, in retrospect, maybe I should have. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> these things tend to uh, lead to more bugs and not less. I, I can tell you that, <laughs> but, um, well, that's very cool. Um, do you, do you think there's a possibility of, uh, more content for the game or anything like, do you have any plans for anything like that? Um, you know, I think I have to wait and see, I guess, what the reception is on it. Uh, if, if there's a, if there's a good interest in the title, I'd love to add a little bit more content to it. Uh, there are some technical limitations on the console size to how much you can add. Mm-hmm. But again, if there's, if there's interest there, I'd love to put more into it. Uh, just, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I got you. And, uh, I think most developers, and you'll have to tell me if this applies to you or not, uh, most of us go through a project like this, and at some point we start to uh, daydream about some other project. You know what I mean? Is there is there something else you've been thinking about during this time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think everybody who is like bogged down in like a big, complicated project where things kind of go wrong and... You know, you make one change on one side of the project and 15 different things on the other side of break. And you think, gosh, if I could only start over again, <laughs> I could avoid all these horrible issues and, and have a, a much more fun project. And I, I've definitely succumbed to that myself. I, yeah, I have a couple of ideas that I've been kind of bouncing around. Uh, nothing that's really complicated. I think if I do anything else, it's probably going to be uh, something very simple and straightforward and not nearly as involved with this. Probably just like a little more of a, uh, a niche type game than anything else. That makes perfect sense, really. Um, well, very cool. Uh, where can players go to catch up with you, hear news about the game, stuff like that? Where are you at online? Yeah, um, I have a website called ExceptionGame.com, which uh, has a couple of, uh, if you're not familiar with the game, it has a couple of videos and uh, and images. Uh, as far as social media goes, I'm not a huge social media person, but I am on Twitter at uh, at TraxmasterSoft. So that's the uh, the ble- best place if you want to like send me death threats. Just go there. <laughs> Please don't do that. No one do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very cool. I I highly suggest people check the game out. I think uh, a great many listeners to this will uh, really enjoy it, and they will love hearing about uh, how this has gone for you, what you've accomplished by yourself, basically by yourself here, uh, because this is an audience focused on creativity and design development, uh, all those things. And this, I, I'm very impressed by what you've done here. Yeah, thanks so much. And this, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll uh, have you back sometime to hear how it's gone and uh, hear about, you know, hopefully the next great thing. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll share some of the death threats next time. Yeah, we'll we'll go through some uh, some hate mail, and that'll be great. Sounds great. All right, thank you. <laughs>